everyone. Welcome back to the Kaiwa Podcast. Our podcast is a space for APU students to have conversations about relevant topics for inspiring listeners far and wide and empower the APU community through conversations. Before to start, I would like to say thank you to our team behind the Kaiwa Podcast. Credit goes to Eugene from editing team, Santi from PR and marketing team, and Han from graphic design team. What we're going to discuss today is about Pride. How are you enjoying Pride Month this year? Today, with two special guests, we're going to dig deeper into gender, sexuality, pride for everyone. So, let me introduce our remarkable guests today, Lufu and Leila. Yeah, I think to kind of like you talk about the expectations of like people like perceive genders is very true. Uh, ever since like I started presenting more and more feminine, one of the things that I like just kind of experience is that Japanese men uh, are becoming like more a bit like entitled around me very much. For example, mm-hmm. like I had multiple like very bad experiences, such as like uh, after watching movie, I was like walking home. At 1 a.m., a man trying to flirt with me in the middle of the road, or a 60-year-old man just trying to small talk me while just trying to get off the bus. Like a lot of kind of just this kind of entitled uh, attitude, I think is like very much uh, a kind of like expectation because of my perceived gender. So like, so like they feel like they are entitled to my time to some extent. And also a stereotypical experience of mansplaining around me. <laughs> For example, like mm-hmm. uh, when I made, uh, I used to like crit- I criticized a book once, and someone messaged me, basically repeating the, my my argument to me with a well, actually, uh, well, expecting me just like somehow not to understand my own argument. This this kind of like experience, I think, is very much a result of this kind of expectation of gender in Japanese society. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's all connected, I think. Oh yeah, Everything. it is. It is, obviously. Like masculinity, like issues with like the dominant aspect of masculinity, sexism, gender, it's all connected. That's yeah. the issue. Is that if you don't yeah. work on one thing in particular, like then the rest doesn't change, I think. But like, we should work on everything. Mm. I, I really think so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Me too. Yeah. Okay. So, next topic is about inclusivity in Pride. Mm. Do you see any barriers between communities in, uh, how can I say? Do you see any barriers in LGBTQQIA communities? Yes. Yes, <laughs> we can yes. both right. speak about it. <laughs> like, I would say, like, mm-hmm. based on exposure, like, for me personally, mm-hmm. uh, with people that I know, I don't see barriers, but there are a lot of discourses, like, online or, like, in public discourse, in which, like, there is kind of a divide between, like, being trans and being homosexual or bisexual, point sexual, and blah, blah, blah. Like, we can take as an example, like, what's happening in the United States right now, in which, like, it's Mm -hmm. a lot of laws against being trans. It's not about, like, 
at least what gets the media attention is not like about like homosexuality because like, it's more accepted but like trans issues have always been like a big issue that people cannot seem to understand because like people can understand like loving someone right like what like even though there is homophobia and things like this i'm not saying that it's you know easy to understand for people but it's easier to understand when someone is non-binary or trans and yeah i mean i think lufu can talk about it even better than me on the experience of being trans binary i don't know if you're trans binary or trans non-binary yeah yeah trans binary yeah. so i do think that this is just like a lot of barriers within the lgbt community it's the kind of like mm-hmm. like me attitude of trying to be one of the good ones to mm-hmm. the cis normative uh, like cis head normative society uh, for example, like I guess, like just a couple of years ago, there was like major discourse between uh, lesbian and gay people and bisexual people. Right now, it's basically subsided, and more of a sexuality versus like gender identity kind of like uh, attitude. Like for example, in UK, we saw the kind of like formation of an organization called LGB Alliance, which is very much a hate group against trans people. Uh, most of the members are actually like heterosexual cis- cisgender people, but there is mm-hmm. like 10% of membership are people within the LGBT community. So this, like mm-hmm. I used to think it is more of an extreme problem, but I would say in recent months, I more see it as a problem. And even within the trans trans community, we also have a problem like between what we call transmedicalist or uh, truscom, which are binary trans people who are more discriminatory to third gender non-binary people. Uh, Like it's a very big problem and just kind of like trying to be one of the good ones, hoping the the bigotry, like bigoted people are going to accept us. Uh, Like we also see a lot of like rising of uh, transgender conservative people, especially in the U.S. in the recent years, and very much, I guess, like uh, the kind of like barrier uh, as a like result of the barrier between the different communities within the LGBT community. Yes, and to add on to this, like on um, the topic of transmedicalism or like the part, like the medical part of being trans, like it's very much true that there is like transmedical, like people. Uh, were trans and went under like the transition, like the gender reaffirmation surgery, who kind of feel like they're more trans than people who choose not to. Even if you're still trans, even if you're still trans, but you don't want to undergo the surgeries, you're seen as less trans. And this discourse is so problematic on multiple aspects. Because apart from the like, of course, like the identitarian aspect, like the fact that like it's your choice, it's your subjective like self. It's something that is so deep. And you think about like you think about your gender identity and it encompasses everything about you so much. It's not just this, but also the economic situation. Because being gay, like is really like being gay or homosexual, bisexual, pansexual, having like a se- like a sexual orientation more than a gender identity is about love we said it before but it means like it's it asks the institutions of marriage or like relationships right but it's not the same thing for us non-binary trans people because for us it's like our like existence our right to exist is tied to medical surgeries 
or social recognition. Like it's it really the discourse that is going on in the USA right now is really the fact that like trans healthcare is has to be universal healthcare, has to be human healthcare, because it saves lives, literally. Because so many people that are like mm. non-binary, trans, also bisexual, homosexual, have higher rates of suicide or mental illnesses. And it's yeah. proved everywhere. So having like access to medical institutions that help you and do not make you feel dysphoric by discriminating you, because it's a big, big thing that may like deny the access or prevent people from getting access to healthcare because of, of course, like your perceived gender identity versus your gender identity is really important. Like it's really important to like think about the medical aspect of being trans or the social aspect because they're intertwined. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> it's... I, 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 can, I can say nothing about it. I mean, I'm 200, 300% agree with mm -hmm. you. Thank you. <laughs> In, you know, I think it's um, it's a shame that st uh, even though each of us must have an experience to find it difficult, m maybe, I don't know, it really depends, but at some point it's really normal to find it difficult um, to express ourselves, especially... Um, especially in where the strong social assumption on gender or sexuality exists. And uh, however, often people cannot accept, not only accept, but um, people cannot embrace the difference between other people too. And then, um, as Lufu mentioned, we, we cannot support each other somehow. Yeah, but it's not just like, I mm. think embracing or accepting is not the first step. It's always the second step. The first step is understanding. And a lot of people, because of experience, which makes sense, right? Like if you have a firsthand experience, then for you, it's easier to understand when someone goes through the same thing. But like a lot of people either go through it or don't. And for us, it's really like, we are the people who do. And there are people who don't. And of course, like you cannot rely your experience, like your emotions, your empathy on just like, oh, I experienced this, then I know what you're going through, right? You also, you also need empathy, like real empathy. But it's really about like even understanding, like even giving you the space to uh, explain yourself and giving themselves the space, the emotional space to understand what you're saying. In its complexity, but it's not something easy. Yeah, I think that what you talk about That's like true. letting people explain themselves is very true, uh, especially when we like talk about like a lot of coverage over trans people mm -hmm. and trans issues. They usually don't really involve trans real trans people. Like somehow our opinion are seen as like more biased because it's our identity. Well, like other people who are not related, who has just as much or not more bias and like other opinions, they are allowed to talk on like 
our behalf. Yeah, of course. Because, like, of course, like, they have the perspective, like, the dominant perspective. People want to hear what the dominant yeah. perspective is. So, yeah, of course. Ah, you don't understand anything, but you agree with us. Or, like, you have the, like, common idea, right? The hegemonic idea. Then, yeah. But, yeah. Because they don't perceive the bias, the inherent bias that is within, right? Yeah. True. And also, I think always there are certain, it's also a stereotype, but for example, um, can I say, for example, non-binary people are like this, or people always have some sort of idea about it and if hmm it's always the same how can i say um it's, sorry um i think what happens is quite always like the same but in hmm, especially for hmm, especially for transgender and non-binary I think when mm, people are not doing like how other people can imagine about their gender identity, mm. it can be, mm, can I say? Like you mean the expectation of mm. gender, like expectation of yeah. gender behavior. Yeah, 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 gender behavior. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm. Yeah, it's, and it, it can go on other way. For example, you are doing like this, you are doing like this, so you, I think you must, you might be mm -hmm. um, non-binary or assuming something like this. And it also exists and it can be also a problem. Hmm. I mean, like, I don't know if, like, you know, Lufu, like, agrees with me. But, like, I think sometimes, like, it works in the sense of, like, it, it's very context-dependent, like, uh, culture-dependent, too. Because, like, you know, like, yeah. it sometimes you choose, del like, on your own will to present yourself in some way, right? Like, if you're talking about like, yeah, you yeah, yeah. presenting yourself, then, yeah. Because, like, you know, like, there are some indicators that are easier to be identified with people who have the same like background or like mentality right like for example if i wear this mm. even though i don't listen to it like people who listen to it, like <laughs> recognize it right like i like it because of the graphic yeah, and yeah. also because i mean it was one of the few shirts left in the closet but anyway but yeah like it, other people would be like oh whatever like it, they would just pass by and not care about it so it's really about that like for example in, in european culture like having like you know being a female having short hair like uh even having dyed hair or like an alternative style it's an indicator of queerness you know so mm -hmm. that's why i think like it changes when coming here to japan at least for me yeah mm -hmm. yeah very much mm -hmm. i think like it's the kind of like expectation of how a person like perceived gender like an expectation is like very culture dependent. For example, in my own country, like if men have like any hair that's like, like longer uh, like than year length, it probably will be seen as like very much just like 
uh, feminine or like have people will ask questions. But like I guess like in a lot of culture like like this hair can like be totally like seen as like normal like androgynous or like masculine hair lengths. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. It's very context dependent. But like, if you're talking, like you talked about, like Ayane, um, you talked about mm-hmm. um, like stereotypes with, for example, non-binary people, right? Like, yeah. so now we talked about like voluntary, like your own will, on your own will, on your own accord, you present yourself in a way that you want to be seen. But it's true that there are like. Mm-hmm stereotypes like very strong stereotypes and it's not only for non-binary people of course it's for trans men trans women too and like i think that like one important thing to mention about non-binary stereotypes is the fact that like you have to be androgynous and androgynous at least in my culture is very much related to being thin and a lot of my friends who are non-binary like kind of dealt a bit with body image like it's something that really impacts your body your self-image and it impacted me too honestly because mm-hmm. you're you feel like you have to be thin in order to be androgynous to in order to be seen in that way you know yeah 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 mm. yeah That's i so think true. this kind of like stereotypes like exist like in all like transgender community i think like both in trans men and trans women, like binary trans people, it also exist. So like even like in a lot of the mainstream like trans people, like there are like a lot of discourse of, about like trans men present more femininely and trans women who present themselves like a bit masculine. There's like always this kind of discourse. I always think it's just like very useless mm-hmm. because people can just identify the way they want and present the way they are comfortable with without worrying about like mm. how people are in their own community who suffer the same struggle going to see them. Mm-hmm. And that's the beauty of being like non-binary and trans, I really think. Like the fact that like we defy the gender norms. Because like why are you still thinking, even with trans women or trans men, like you general, like why are you still thinking that a trans woman has to be feminine? Like what if she wants to be like a bit more masculine? What if, like, a trans man wants to be more feminine? What if a trans man has, like, a body that is more curvy or something like that? Like, it's really, like, trying to always put everything in a cis-heteronormative perspective, in a, like, perspective that is hegemonic. But the beauty about being trans and being non-binary and doing, actually, the work to understand yourself, understand where you go and where do you fit into the gender spectrum, I think, is the liberation that comes with it. Like, the liberation that doesn't matter if I, like, dress feminine or I present myself as more feminine, like, it doesn't give me dysphoria because I know that I am allowed to. Like, for a long time, I was very much, like, I don't want to say like toxic, like masculine in a toxic way, but kind of. And like, it really mm-hmm. took me, other people were like kind of masculine, but with very feminine ways to like understand, oh, it's safe for me to be feminine. It's safe for me. Cause like, I felt like otherwise people would label me as a woman or as a girl or like put on me their expectation of gender, expectations of gender because I was in that way. But behavior, gender expression, and gender identity do not match in a cis-heteronormative way. 
they do not match. You have the liberty, you have the freedom to explore yourself and your gender expression, and that still makes your gender identity valid. Yeah, and just like I think, I want to expand the like the expectation part like a bit more. Uh, actually, like one of the most like common experience for I don't know about like trans men and non-binary people, but in trans women, binary like trans people, it is like very much the common experience of like before coming out, a lot of us like have this kind of wanting to prove our masculinity, which is also why there are so many uh, trans women who are part of military or veteran. Because like they are trying to be like hyper masculine, prove themselves like no, I'm not like woman, I'm not one of them, and before like finally, finally like accepting themselves, like trying to before that trying to like fitting fit in the social expectation. Yes, absolutely. Like this really resonates with like my experience with someone that is close to me that is also non-binary but like assigned male birth, and they really told me like yeah I kind of felt like I had to be masculine I had to present in a masculine way I would go to the gym very often like every day two hours a day to have the perfect masculine like hegemonic masculine body so that like people would not question my gender identity and then after even though they were not feeling good in it after when they finally got like a space, a free space, a safe space to explore the gender identity and be like, actually, I'm like this, then like they finally felt better. So, yeah, I think what you say is absolutely true, Lufu. Mm. So the, there is a last mm -hmm. question. I think it can be, it, it's so um, relevant from what you shared. So it's so, mm, too general, it, it can be too general question, but in your point of view, how can we make a society where everyone can live as they are? It, it can sound like, you know, just something mm, too- Idealistic? idealistic yes. yeah too idealistic not like a reality but mm -hmm. no i understand your question like can i go first lufu because like i think the like you know the whole discourse around representation and why it's important it's because instead of having one voice that acts as like 100 1,000 people is like you get the full experience or like being a certain way, right? And it's not even the full experience. It's like you can approximate to, you know, the complexity of the issue, the complexity of what it is like, right? And I think that like going back to like the question, like how can we make a society where we, everyone can live as they are, is to really give voice and recognition and representation to people who have these experiences and really like also heal a society because i think that like a society that is not like created like with listening skills like really listening skills and like the maturity to go over yourself to go past yourself and really understand the other 
doesn't go anywhere. I really think that it doesn't really go anywhere. There will always be conflict, right? Mm. But like being open to other people and not being afraid of being vulnerable, like are also the first steps. Not only for this, but like in general for everything. What's your mm. idea, Lufu? So for me, I think the best way to create a more accepting society is just to eliminate the kind of like expectation, a kind of like default of someone like should be like, like how if someone is assigned female at birth, they are going to be something, something. If they are assigned male at birth, they are going to be something, something we should, or like people, most people are going to be heterosexual. So like everyone are expected to be heterosexual. I think this kind of expectation is like very much toxic and are, is a part of the reason why People, a lot of people are have this kind of like misunderstanding, the kind of like very weird uh, expectation of others and assumption for others. So I think we should just like like letting the children grow up in a more like uh, gender neutral and like kind of environment, allow them to choose their own paths and lo- allow them to speak for themselves when they get the opportunity. There's no like biological factor of a. Uh, um, a map person is going to like color blue, and a map person is just going to like the color pink. There's no biological fi- like factor for that. So let the child choose like have access to multiple grade of colors. That let the child to choose for themselves and speak for themselves. Yeah, actually, her answer is the best one. Honestly, <laughs> it's very realistic. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. It's really about like giving like the freedom of people without giving the expectations. I really think the expectations sometimes are toxic. Like one thing is like having the expectation of a friend being loyal because it's like what you're getting yourself into, right? In a relationship, in a respectful relationship. But one thing is like saying, oh, you're a man, so you have to act like this. No, let people be people. Thank you very much. And um, there is a very last question. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's also open, really, really open question. <laughs> what pride means to you? Lufu, hi. <laughs> yeah. uh, can I go first? Yeah, of course. Sure. So I think. Pride is very much a two part of things. Like, first part is like more common. A lot of people like accept this kind of like pride definition is like a celebration of your own identity, being comfortable with yourself, being like honest to yourself, uh, like not being afraid to show your own identity, and the celebration of this kind of like liberation of your like uh autonomy, your bodily autonomy, your kind of like sexual autonomy. But I think a more important part of pride is the second part is more about activism. Uh, pride was started because the Stonewall riot, the, I, w- I more like to call it the Stone Uprising, Stonewall Uprising, the uprising for the civil right, the fought like people of all part of LGBT community together fought against the police, fought against a uh, oppressive government for uh, our own right to be, to exist. And a lot of people today like, within the LGBT community even have this kind of like conformity of like, oh, I just want to be accepted by the general public. I just want to exist. I don't really want to advocate for myself. I think it's just really very like toxic and it's going to 
causing the civil rights that we already got to step back. Uh, and I think that we should like, embrace this kind of like militant activism and fought against oppression, like intersectionality, like also like to fought for other oppressed group, like fought, uh, uh, like, uh, for example, ethnic minorities, uh, oppressed people, like occupied countries, stuff like that. Yeah. Like very much like only through this kind of like togetherness and like fought against uh, oppression of all forms, we can like achieve this kind of like the pride spirit. I really like. I think you really got a strong point. Like what uh, everything that we talked about, like it's really really important. Because I, of course, like a lot of people see it as like a pride in like in the sense of like just a parade, but they don't see like the days before they're like of like conferences and meetings and activism, right? And also, I think it like pride per se, like not the Pride Month or like everything around it but like pride pride is like a, an opportunity to create the sense of cohesion that sense of togetherness as you said like that sense of i'm not alone and i think that's really important for like such a community because like a lot of times like we get discrimination right so it's important to like remind yourself that you're not alone so i think that pride like even though like it should be not just one like Pride Month, like this is a common discourse that like it should be all year round, right? But it is all year round. It's just a, like there is a parade like in June and that's fantastic. But yeah, it's really like not just a parade. It's really the sense of community, which is very important because like community supports each other. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I think the community aspect, yeah, like community and the unity like across the LGBT community is a different aspect, the different people on the spectrum. We shouldn't like that the kind of like conformity or like throw the other part of the community under the bus to like play for like some kind of like general acceptance. We should like fight along each other, fight fight like along uh fight against like oppression along each other's and like doing this kind of like activism. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Absolutely, because like for so many years, activism for LGBTQ plus rights were like it was very much divided, like the gays or like the lesbians, separatists, like all these kind of things that mm. do not help. Like even like in the seventies, like to do a bit of history, like there was a group of lesbians who were very much biphobic against bi women because they were like kind of like endorsing or supporting the patriarchy or something like that. And they did not allow any like lesbian, non lesbian, um, bisexual woman, or like even straight women were allies, or like I think even trans women. And like these kind of things do not help. Like the modern definition of pride in which everybody's together for real, I think is really the best one. And it really gives the sense of cohesion togetherness. Yeah, I think that there are a lot of this kind of like very toxic, like kind of individualistic, like kind of like set, uh, that kind of like activism. Also, like yeah, mm-hmm. historically, and I'm pretty sure there are also like at the same period, there was like lesbian who want to just set, like not like fought uh fought for their own right in the general like society instead setting their own communes, setting their own separate like, communities. 
Yeah. Yeah. Which is just not it's useless. Uh, like you have to fight your rights, fight for your rights. Like in the general public, no one is not everyone is going to like move to a isolated community. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Yeah, and I would say like the birth of the turfs, the trans exclusive radical feminists are like kind of like having them because of the mentality of this kind of like separation from the other groups. Yeah, oh my god, the turfs are so stupid. Like, I'm sorry, but this is my idea because, like, being a feminist, but then being like an exclusionist feminist, you're just perpetuating the patriarchy because you're seeing the tra- trans women are, as women and you see that like men are just like men in the hegemonic sense without thinking about men who are not like like they're supposed to right so like what are you on about and how do you define yourself as feminist when your definition goes against being feminist (sighs) annoying i'm sorry i hate the whole jk rowling situation i hate the fact that they not needed thank you bye yeah, I still can't get over the fact that after the Hogwarts Legacy backlash, the like J.K. Rowling and the gamer game team like added a trans woman and named her Amanda. Amanda. Like basically like so petty. Oh my god, yes. Wow <laughs> the pain, the pain. Like at this point, just shut up. Like you have millions, billions. Yeah, you're powerful enough. Why are you doing these things? Why are you going on about this fucking cause? I don't. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. I. <laughs> Let's go. <calm down>. Uh... <laughs> yeah. So true. God. Okay. <laughs> but... uh... Yes. <laughs> yeah. So. Yeah. Anyways, what's really important is togetherness unity and yeah in a real sense and understanding absolutely yep absolutely so we're we're gonna move on to closing Mm -hmm. part yeah because i have class in 30 minutes (laughs) (gasps) okay do you have a last message for our listeners could you please lufu inspire us go please <laughs> okay so i have a message to like the listeners who are part of the lgbt community whether you are in the closet or already out or like semi in between the closet and out you are seen you are beautiful and you are accepted uh please don't forget to be accepting of others to fight for your own rights you like to spread your to voice your own opinions don't be afraid obviously like do whatever you need to survive to to stay safe, but to what extent? To like some extent, voicing your own opinion, uh, fought for other people who are oppressed, and also like joining your own local communities, uh, joining your own local like LGBT organizations. I think like for example in APU, you have the organizations such as Out and About, which is a LGBT organization, and APU Colors. You can join this kind of organization to know LGBT people around you, to not feel lonely and having this kind of sense of community. It is very much like 
for a lot of people, it is very difficult to know a lot of queer person, especially in country of in like Japan. A lot of people don't publicly identify themselves as a queer person, so like you have to actively seeking out. And my well, the my message and recommendation would be join your own local queer communities. Yeah. Like what you talk about is like very much like activism and things like this. And I think it's beautiful. But my message for the listeners, since you already covered this and it's perfect, I think that would be like for both LGBTQ plus listeners and and like non-LGBTQ plus listeners, I think it's really to be empathetic be empathetic but especially for lgbtq plus listeners be a radical existence don't be afraid of who you are and campaign for who you are and create a safety net and encourage other people to be too to be vulnerable too to seek support and to feel like empower them you know, this may be idealistic, but like it really works. Like it's it's something that I feel like it's so important that you cannot go around by yourself, right? And that's so important to have a community, as we said before, the sense of togetherness. So be radical and be together. And I think that's it. Thank you very much. Wow. I'm, <laughs> to be honest, I'm, you know, your message is directly to my heart. Both of you. Thank you. Thank you very much. It's already inspiring. One person. <laughs> yeah. Just like me, I think there will be a lot of listeners uh, who, who will really appreciate what you shared and uh, your message will remain in our heart and you too will empower many people. So, and also we released several episodes for Pride Month in past years. So please enjoy them too. And for you too. So <laughs> you can, <laughs> you can listen to it too. Also, we'd like to share a little bit of a sneak peek. The title of the next episode is A Question. Are we really in a diverse environment? Maybe some APU students already asked yourself, or maybe you never doubted our community is a highly diverse melting pot. But let's see. Stay tuned to our podcast. This is the end of the episode. Thank you again for listening to the Kaiwa podcast. Our next episode is coming soon, so please look forward to it.